Hello and welcome to Everybody Pulls the Tarp. I'm your host, Andrew Moses. My guest today is Dana Cavalia, the former Director of Strength and Conditioning and Performance for the New York Yankees. Welcome to the show, Dana. Andrew, thanks for having me. Coach Dana, it's great to have you. I'm looking forward to, uh, to digging uh, into you know, your career and all of your experience with you. But I have one question. So, so do you ever recommend that the guys, if the weight room's full, that they, uh, they go out there and pull the tarp? Uh, I have never made that recommendation, um, but I do know just how heavy those tarps are. Not that I've ever pulled one either. <laughs> I pulled it. I pulled it a few times as I've talked about on this show and it is harder than it looks. Oh yeah. So, so, so coach Dana, where I want to begin is, is the topic of work ethic. I know it's something that you're really, really passionate about. And one of the things I'm always really curious about is, can, is, is work ethic in, in, from your viewpoint, something that you're either born with or something that you can learn and develop? Well, I, I think you can learn and develop any, any skill for the most part. That's my, that's my belief. If you, if you have desire, which would mean you'd actually have to have some work ethic to start so you can get better work ethic and improve your work ethic. But I also believe that you have to have some to start with. And that starts with, with a desire, right? You have to have a desire to be better. You have to have a desire to be great, right? Most people have a desire to be average. Most people have a desire to be good, but, um, but most people don't have an average, uh, you know, a desire to be great. So, so you've got to have some of that desire and then it's, it, it gets the wheel spinning. Yeah. It's like, um, you know, it's, it's the question, do you love to win or do you hate to lose? Right. A lot of people love to win. But if you hate to lose, that means you play with a chip on your shoulder. You play, you're playing the same game, but you're playing a different game. So that's what I believe. I believe that there's people that are, uh, you know, come from behind underdog. I call them junkyard dog type personalities. Those are the guys and gals that I want on my team. And, um, you know, they're, they're a special group. You know, everybody, I always say, wants the results. But not everybody, you know, wants to or understands the work that needs to go into it to to achieving those results. You've been around so many elite performers and elite leaders, you know, in your career, and and you know, especially during your time with the with the New York Yankees, running that strength conditioning and performance program from 2007 to 2013. Um, is is work ethic though always about working more, or is it sometimes about working smarter? Yeah, well, it's, I think it's always about working smarter, you know, and, and working smarter is just simply saying, what do I need to be great, right? So when we understand what we need as individuals to be great or to be better than we were yesterday, um, I think that's the real the real trick. It's not about just doing more and more and more. And, uh, you know, when I was a young kid, I used to think in order to be a great baseball player, I had it just, it was the amount of swings that I took, not so much what I was doing with each of those swings. And then when I got to the big leagues and I got a chance to watch great players like Derek Jeter and, you know, players like Mariano Rivera, I saw that they were very um, intentional in their work because they knew exactly what they needed and how much, um, you know, of a certain skill or practice plan to be great. So that that's what I that's what I saw amongst that group. It was a very different group, and therefore I learned a lot as well, just in terms of my own path 
uh, while I was working with these with these uh, elite performers. But you know, most people overwork, and today in the personal development revolution that's going on, and you know, everyone's a guru, self help land. It's just routines on top of routines on top of routines, and the biggest problem is people are doing too much, and they don't know what is actually giving them a positive result and what's giving them a negative result or what's keeping them, you know, status neutral. What's interesting, you know, we'll go to the other side of the, uh, the city for the moment to, to Queens. I'm, uh-huh. I'm reading right now, David Wright's memoir. Okay. And David tells a story in his book about early in his career, they were looking at his home and away splits. And mm-hmm. when he was on the road, his batting average was much, much higher than at home. Yeah. And they always wondered what this, you know, what was driving this. And they had this thought that it was all based on the time he was arriving at the ballpark. When he was on the road, he arrived at the ballpark a lot closer to game time and took a lot less swings in the in the cage. When he was yeah. home, he'd show up at the ballpark at eight, nine in the morning and he'd be swinging all day. And what they discovered was that uh, once they paired back, the, they essentially closed the batting cage for him you know, at home and wouldn't let him in. Things started to, to to level out. I guess that speaks to a little bit of what you're. Yeah, it's true. There. Yeah, I mean, we've seen you know playing at home is the hardest thing to do. Why? Why is that? Because you uh, you're just at the park so much longer in general. So you know it's it's a longer day. It's it's a lot more hours before the first pitch. We're on the road. You know, you're getting on a bus, and you know, you're getting to the ballpark at three o'clock. You know, sometimes two thirty, three o'clock. You know, so again, you just have a couple hours before the game and and you actually feel a bit rushed on the road that there's not enough time because an hour to two hours makes a big difference, you know, and uh, it's true. A number of months ago, I had um, former MLB star Todd Zeal uh, on this show and Mm. Todd talked about distractions and, you know, the elite athletes or somebody who's elite at anything have this unique ability when they get between the lines, as he as he as he put it, to focus and tune out, is it fair to say that when when the the players are home, there's there's a lot more distraction. There might be more media. There they 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 may have con- you know concerns with their family. They're 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 you know, they've got their um people asking for tickets more. Right? Yeah. Is that it's is that a, play into it a little bit? It's a it's it's a borderline disaster at home because everybody's pulling at you at, at home and the guests that you have coming to the game. You know, and a lot of times the guys are trying to manage, you know, their family obligations while they're home. You know, they'll they'll try to, you know, get to a game early on a, uh, you know, on a Saturday morning and then get to the ballpark. There's a lot of, um, you know, the family stuff that goes on at home and it's it's a lot. It's very draining, you know, and that's why a player like, you know, a Derek Jeter, he didn't go down the family route early in his career. He waited till he was done playing. Not every player wants to do that or or does that. But for him, he found that that was something that helped him optimize his focus. So whether you're a New York Yankee or an executive or someone who's just starting their career, when there are, there inevitably always are distractions, right? There's always things that are swirling around and it's very hard to put your entire focus and sink, you know, everything you've got into something. But what recommendation do you have to people who, you know, they want to develop themselves in whatever craft they're involved in. How do they focus with everything swirling around them, regardless yeah. of what it is? Well, I think, again, it goes back to, I think, you know, again, I coach a lot of executives and I coach a lot of companies and most people are trying to, to, to do too much. So they're working outside of, of their own core skill set, number one. 
And number two, they're trying to, to move too many balls at one time. And that's just not the way it works. You have to pick literally one thing and attack it and get it done and then move on to the next. But coach, I have all these different things I have to get done. And I always say there's have to's, need to's, and want to's. And most people are too focused on the have to's. They, they fry themselves out because they're doing all these have to activities. And then they get to the want to's because they're easy. But the one thing they don't do is their need to's because they're, they're too focused on peripheral things and they're not focused enough on those, what I call, um, you know, income producing activities or IPAs or MVAs or your most valuable activities. So th that's where you have to determine for yourself. You have to know what your most valuable activities are and you have to know what your income producing activities are. And then it's your job to keep yourself within those rails. And that's where accountability and discipline come in two traits that most people don't have one, one of the things that that i do that i try to um you know manage my own schedule and, and uh life is trying to match up the the times when i know that my brain and my body are most productive with mm -hmm. the most challenging work that i have to do and for me you know, I'm a morning person so that is typically somewhere between 5 a.m and 7 30 8 a.m so you know, I try and be really disciplined and get up early and make sure that the the, the stuff that's going to require the most creativity, the most yeah. critical thinking, and the most uh, attention to detail is happening in that kind of golden window. Is that is there something to that? There is. Um, unfortunately, that doesn't work in sports because you know I'm the same. I have the same window. I have a morning window, um, but I spent most of my career in a in a night business, so. You have to figure out another way, right? So for me, it was to uh, take a shower in the sixth inning to wake up, and and that that was something that did it. But I I you know subscribe to that as well. You know you have to sort of know what your magical time period is for you. If you're a morning person, you know do your do as much as you can in the morning, and if you're an evening person, don't subscribe to the BS that's out there that you have to be a morning person or you're going to be a loser. That's not how it works. Some people say you got to be up at four, four thirty if you want to win, and that's completely falsified information. So you and I have talked, Dana. This show is called "Everybody Pulls the Tarp." It's all based on a philosophy that I have that great teams and great organizations are powered by individuals who contribute in unexpected ways, who do the small things that make a big impact. What you know, whether whether it's a whether it's a a, a ball player for the Yankees, an executive that you work with and, and coach. What are examples of little things that everybody can do that make a very, very big impact in terms of yeah. their productivity and effectiveness? Well, a couple of things that I always say is like, you know, you could see who somebody is by what they do at Starbucks. And, uh, you know, you see a lot of people spill the milk and they don't wipe it up. <laughs> you see a lot of people, you know, in stores and they just walk by things that are on the floor. And, and the way I always look at life is there's right and there's wrong. And at the end of the day, if something's messy, you know, we always look for, is it, is it our job? Is this my job to do this? Like I'm not hired by this company to do this. You know, whether, let's say you're, you're a patron somewhere like in a Starbucks, it takes you no effort to keep a place organized around you. So I take that same mentality into everything that I do. So whether it's uh, you know, an interview, you know, for a small show, an interview for a big show, you have to show up correctly. And that's, that's what I tell people even in business, like everything matters, right? Excellence is a decision. 
And the decision is simply you showing up with your best every day. That's a decision. So your book, your book, Habits of Habits of a Champion, nobody becomes a champion by ac- by accident. Yeah. Uh, Dana, I want to talk about that a little bit. So, you know, obviously there are some, you know, there are some habits that the the best at whatever, you know, they're the best at have. How, how do you go about building and instituting these habits, right? Like well, you just said, there's right and there's wrong. So you want to do right more wrong, right. right? There's good habits and there's bad habits. And it's up for you to identify what your poor habits are. And if you're unable to identify them for yourselves, that's where great coaching comes in. You can have somebody help you identify, uh, you know, what your, what your weaknesses are. And some people today say, don't focus on your weaknesses, only focus on your strengths. Again, poor advice, because in times of stress and times of an amplified moment, you're not going to lean, uh, your mind typically doesn't go towards your strength. It's the little vulnerability and the little weakness that it, that creates exposure and puts you actually in a risk position. So, um, you know, ultimately, you know, you have to know what your poor habits are in order to self-correct and in order to institute change. So I, I approach everybody one-on-one. I meet people right where they are in real time. And I, I feel that there's people that want to make a change, like I said, and people that are just interested in talking about it. How do, how do, how do you recommend that people, you know, we, we talked a little bit about the distractions and, and I hate saying the word distractions, right? Cause that, that makes it sound like certain things are less important than others. Right. But you know, you need any performer, any executive has to be in the moment, has to live in the moment. And there's things that are, you know, swirling around them. How, how can people in this, you know, media craze, you know, cell phone at your fingertips, you know, two, I have three screens sitting here, including an iPad. How, how can people get more focused and, and build habits around that? Yeah. I think really what you just said, like in life, many of us are living with three screens on at all times. You know, do we need three screens on at the same time? You, so there's that uh, saying, right. Where it's like, Oh, be where your feet are. Oh, that's a good recommendation. Uh, I just find a lot of high performers that I work with have a hard time doing it. And most of the time that's because their expectations are just too high. So you could actually become more effective as a leader, as a person by lowering your expectation and actually executing on your lower expectations. Because if you can't execute on your lower expectation, there's no way you're going to achieve your higher expectation. So I want to dig into that a little bit. So, so you lower the expectation. Yeah, because most people that are high performers and are in elite positions, they're they're A, motivated, and B, they naturally hold themselves to a high expectation. So they're not going to let themselves dip too low. So where they get a lot of stress and anxiety and, and negative is when they're trying to do too much based on their expectation that they set for themselves that is really going to be difficult and challenging for them to reach in the timeline that they want to reach it. So what about when you're trying to make a big change, right? Like you're, you're trying to make some big pivot. You're trying to pivot the organization one way. You're a, you're a, a pitcher who's trying to, to change the, the delivery. Sometimes it seems like getting started yeah. is, is such a, such a challenge Be, with a I big endeavor. Because exactly that, right? It's being sold as this big change and this big thing. You know, I was talking to a, an MLB pitcher two nights ago. And he was telling me, he's like, you know, the one thing that drives me crazy is every time we get a new pitching coach, you know, they try to overhaul and they want to overhaul my mechanics, especially when I'm struggling. 
He said, and I've been overhauled so much that I'm forgetting what I need to do in order to be great. It's like, I'm forgetting what my basics are, what my fundamentals are. So whether it's making a change in business, whether it's making a lifestyle change, it's, it's not about magnitude and size and just this big change. It's actually more about the subtle change and uh, make, it's like big league hitters, right? It's all about tweaks. It's just, you're making tweaks. You're not overhauling. That's, that's, something that people need to understand. And even if you need to make a big change, it's the little changes that will lead to that bigger change. So what, so what do you do with someone that you're coaching, whether it's in the big leagues or an executive, do you celebrate those incremental wins? You say, Hey, look, we just, you know, we made a little bit of progress today. Or we made a little bit of progress this week. We're going to keep building on it. Yeah, that's it. Right. It's, you're just tacking on, you know, you have to score your first run before you could score five. And that's the way that's the way I look at it. So even when it comes to nutrition, something I ask my clients and when I set them up on plans is, listen, what's your eating average? You get 21 meals in a week, seven days, three a day, 21 meals. Did you go 21 for 21, 18 for 21, 19 for 21, or did you go 10 for 21? So we have to start to look at things in the most basic form. And when I, you know, habit change with people, it's simple things, right? You want to lose weight. You want to change your physical. You know, the first thing is to make sure your hydration is optimal because if you're not taking in enough water, you're going to crave sugar and carbohydrates. Just molecularly, that's the way it works. So it's always simple things. And then you stay consistent in those simple things. And most people can't. If you told someone, listen, you know, I need you to work out, they'll tell you, I don't have time. And if I said, well, listen, I just need you to do 10 jumping jacks a day for the next 30 days. I bet you nine out of 10 people would fail. So it has why, nothing to do with time. Why, 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 is, why, why do people always blame time? Because they're lazy. People, people are lazy as a result of them actually being comfortable. So, and, and, and that's the thing. I tell people all the time, don't make the excuse. Just admit to yourself that, you're, that at this moment in time, you're lazy. You're not willing or wanting to make the change. So, because the only person you're doing is you're, you're, is you're lying to yourself. So that that's what you, that's the worst thing that somebody could do because you become um, you know somebody that's chronically failing because they're they're not matching their own words. So they say one thing and then they don't do it. They say they're going to do it and they don't do it. Well, if you repeat that over three to five years plus, you realize that you don't do anything that you say, which is the most dangerous place to be in. Because then the only you're not letting down your coach or your manager or your teammates, you're letting yourself down at that point. Yeah, and this and this goes be, way beyond sports. This is this is people all over the place. How many people say, "Hey, I'll get that to you by Friday." Friday comes, it's not there. I'll call you back. They don't call you back. I'll send you this. I'll let you know. I'll let you know is one of the mo you know useless sayings in in society. I'll let you know means you know you're gonna have to come hunt me down. Or I'll get to that when I feel like it. So I, I look at life very binary in that way where it's it's simple. <laughs> you know, if you say it, do it. And if you're not going to do it, don't say it. And be honest with yourself enough to know the difference. So, so, so I mean, you said before, you know, so much of uh, success is, is picking the things that you have that, that, that are your most valuable things that you're going to do. Um, how much of it, though, is is it sounds like a lot of it in from your view is attitude and it's about it's about having the right attitude going into any of these types of things 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And when I, you know, when I work with people, I try to understand what's making them tick. And, you know, when I ask this magic question to a lot of those that I work with, hey, what does winning mean to you? Most people cannot answer that that question. Not not with any detail. So right there, that's the fundamental miss. You know, I again I was talking to a pitcher the, the other night, and um I said, What does winning mean to you? He's like, I think I would like to throw, you know, at least 190 innings. I said, okay, do you think that or is that what you want to do? He's like, no, I, I think I want to do that. I said, no, you use think again. It's not think. Do you want to do this? Because our, our language is really powerful. So I find, again, a lot of people just um, are not fully committed to what they actually want to do. So what about, um, so there's the commitment and the attitude some people are just able to stay calm in in high intensity situations more than others. Again, is that something that you're you know you're born with, or you or can you develop it? Like as a as just a bystander, Mariano Rivera looked just calm as could be. Yeah, you know, in the ninth inning, is that just the way he was born and his yeah, DNA, that, that, or did, he, did his, he? That's his makeup, and you know, here again, it's just another misconception where you have to be calm to be great. I mean, I've seen like, you know, a guy like Kobe Bryant would tell you, listen, um, when I got on the court, I wanted to rage. Like that's where I let it all out. So there wasn't calm there. So, so that's, again, we, we, we sort of latch on to these sayings or these uh, ways that we believe that we're supposed to be. And that's where I coach people from. There's the only way you're supposed to be is the way that you're supposed to be. So then you, it's everybody. It's it, it's so so. Then you've got so going back to the Yankees days. You got twenty five guys, twenty five different programs. Yeah, twenty five individuals made up that team. Not not it wasn't a team of twenty five. Just just twenty five guys that were just a part of the team. It was twenty five individuals, twenty five individual stories, twenty five guys that all have different likes, preferences, habits, and problems. 25 guys, some married, some not. Some with kids, some with not. Some with girlfriends, girlfriends, and uh, some with just one. Or you know what I'm saying? So right. everybody comes from a different place. So there's no way that you could be a good leader and approach the team as a whole. You have to approach your team as individuals, and you have to realize that individuals make up teams. So then from your lens, right, whether it's – so, so then every executive that you work with, it's just like the, it's just like the Yankees. It's 25 individuals. 25 you have to have a game plan for each individual and it's never going to be a carbon copy. Exactly. I, you know, I always start with people again, you know, what is winning mean to you, but also what's your, what's the elephant in the room? You know, what's the big thing that you have in front of you? That's your performance limiter. So for some people it's like, Hey, I'm, you know, I have a horrible relationship with my wife. Well, I tell you what, I can get you in great shape. I could, uh, you know, make you mentally strong. If that is a problem and it's not worked on, it's a, it's a problem. You're not going to reach your optimal potential. So that becomes the first thing we work on, not the last. So you may be 40 pounds overweight, but if you identify and I identify with you that that's the big roadblock for you, that's where the program starts. How... How, you know, so that you talk about roadblocks there a bit, how, how much, you know, how often can, can one person 
impact a room in, in a positive way. I mean, you know, it, is does does a, a does a manager in, in in Major League Baseball get? I always say sometimes, you know, I think the manager gets too much credit when the team does well, and they get too much credit when the when the team doesn't do well. What's your view on on the importance of of a leader in a clubhouse, or to just winning clubhouses just have more fun? Yeah, I think um, you know a manager that talks too much is a problem. I believe that a manager that that speaks um, intentionally and speaks when they need to speak is probably a better manager. But most importantly, a manager that speaks to his players as individuals on a daily basis is a very strong manager. So, you know, I got to work under Joe Torre, and he was very Godfather-like. So, you know, he we'd have a team meeting not every day. I mean, we'd have a team meeting maybe once a month. Um, Sometimes if that, you know, and, uh, the thing is though, Joe would always be there. Like he'd always come by and sort of bump up against you and say, you know, what's going on? How you doing? So it's just like in business, it's, it's relationship based. It's one-to-one, one-to-a-few. Exactly. Exactly. It's uh sort of that Goomba management style where you're getting to know your people, you're understanding them and you're not trying to push and do too much. Again, uh, there's a lot of captains that over navigate and oversteer their ship. There's a lot of managers that overmanage. There's a lot of leaders that overlead, and there's a lot of overcompensation that takes place because people get these titles and they feel that they have to act accordingly according to their definition of that title. But nobody says that you have to be doing things a certain way. You have to find your way. And that's my biggest issue today with all the leadership and personal development and books and everything that's out there is that people um, become really good at reciting other people's words and believing that there's these standards and way of acting based on what they've read or what they've listened to. But you have to find your way. And until you do that, you're dead. You'll never peak. Coach Dana Cavalier, let's... uh... Let's we'll let you go there. That is uh, some great wisdom. I know that uh, the next time I'm at Starbucks, I'm going to be watching to see uh, yeah. what people do with the uh, what people do with the milk. This has been such a pleasure. I know I've learned a ton. I, I know our viewers and listeners uh, have learned a ton as well. Thank you, Coach Dana Cavalier. And again, just a quick plug: uh, Dana is the author of the book Habits of a Champion. Nobody becomes a champion by accident. Thank you for joining. Everybody pulls the tarp today. Thanks, Andrew.